Hello, I'm attorney Paul Whalen from Afford Law. At Afford Law, we practice criminal and family law throughout Massachusetts. Our fees are all based on your income, so that means the less you make, the less you pay for our services. Today, we're going to be discussing um, circumstantial evidence in criminal cases in Massachusetts. What is circumstantial evidence? Well, evidence comes in basically two forms. There's direct evidence and circumstantial evidence. Direct evidence is testimony from a witness uh, as to what that person observed. Uh, it's through their senses. So it's basically, you know, what they saw, heard, um, felt, smelled, uh, or tasted. So it comes through the senses and it's being reported directly what they recall from their sensory uh, impression. That's direct testimony, uh, circum uh, direct evidence. Uh, circumstantial evidence is different from that. Circumstantial evidence isn't exactly um, what somebody uh, directly observed. Rather, it's um, facts that give rise to other facts, if, if, I, if I could be as vague as possible. So for instance, um, what I'm trying to say is um, the witness can't say, I saw this person do this, but they can come in and give evidence about uh, the circumstances surrounding that time uh, and that place. Uh, and the whole thing about circumstantial evidence is it gives certain facts to the jury um, and it, it requires the jurors to um, um, form an impression and to, uh, uh, to come to a conclusion on, on their own. Uh, so let me, uh, so as an example, um, you are, let's say you're at home and uh, your daughter looks out the window and says, oh, the mailman's at the mailbox. Then you go out to the mailbox sometime later and find that there's mail there. Uh, you, you can't, that's direct evidence from your daughter that the mail person uh, has delivered the mail. On the other hand, if it's a snowy day and you go out to the mailbox, you see there are footprints leading up to the mailbox and retreating from the mailbox. You open up the, the, your mailbox and there's mail in there. That's circumstantial evidence that the letter carrier or the mail person has been there and delivered your mail uh, on that day. So uh, in circumstance, in that circumstantial uh, example, it's um, the, you, that person can't testify that they saw the mail person, the letter carrier deliver those items. However, they can uh, uh, testify to the facts that it, it, there was snow on the ground, there, there were footprints seen, and that there was mail in the mailbox. And it leaves it up to the jurors to, uh, draw conclusions from those facts. Okay. Uh, and let's take a look at the, um, uh, the jury instructions itself, uh, because it, it, go, it gives a very uh, clear uh, definitions and examples uh, of what circumstantial evidence is and what it is all about. So there are two things to keep in mind about circumstantial evidence. The first one is that the jury may draw inferences and conclusions only from facts that have been proved to you, uh, to them. Uh, the second rule is that any inferences or conclusions which they draw must be reasonable and natural based on their common sense and experience of life. In a chain of circumstantial evidence, it's not required that every one of their inferences is, and conclusions be inevitable, but it is required that each of them be reasonable, that they all be consistent with one another, and that together 
they establish the defendant's guilt beyond a reasonable doubt. And keep in mind, that's always the standard guilt beyond a reasonable doubt. So if it's a 50-50, the jury is required to, to come back with a, uh, with a not guilty on any of the elements of a crime. Uh, that's always the case. Um, if the Commonwealth's case is based solely on circumstantial evidence, the jury can find the defendant guilty only if those circumstances are conclusive enough uh, to leave them with a moral certainty, a clear and settled belief that the defendant is guilty and that there is no other reasonable explanation of the facts as proven. So that's that that's pretty high standard, right? So the, the jury, jury has to be convinced to a moral certainty and that there are no other reasonable explanations uh, when it comes to this particular fact that the uh, Commonwealth is trying to introduce. So that's uh, basically uh, circumstantial evidence uh, and, uh, and direct evidence. While we're on the subject of evidence, keep in mind that uh, um, evidence is, is testimony from a, from a witness. Uh, oftentimes, we'll have clients that say, that'll say there's no evidence. They, all, all they have is the word of the, the alleged victim. Well, if they have the alleged victim, that when I say they, I mean the Commonwealth, if they can bring in the alleged victim and they testify uh, that you committed this crime, that is evidence. In fact, that's direct evidence. Uh, if they say, uh, you know, you hit me or you stole my watch or something like that, um, that's all. That's all the evidence that is potentially needed to convince a jury uh, that you can that you committed that crime. Uh, of course, there's defenses that we would put on for you. You could testify on your own behalf if you chose to do so. Of course, you could never be forced to testify against yourself. That's your Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination. However, um, putting a defendant on the stand is really a tricky situation. And almost, in a, well, certainly in most cases, we do not want our clients to take the stand because that opens them up to cross-examination. And quite honestly, you never know what's going to happen on cross-examination. What's going to, It's, it's a, a very difficult situation and we could find ourselves in, in trouble uh, once that cross-examination begins. So that's uh, sort of a crash course on evidence, circumstantial evidence in particular. Um, and keep in mind that cases are made on circumstantial evidence every day of the week. So even though it's a circumstantial case, that doesn't mean that the prosecution cannot get a conviction uh, out of that case. So at Afford Law, we do practice criminal law and family law throughout Massachusetts. And as I said, our uh, fees are all on a sliding scale. So that sliding scale is based on your income. The less you make, the less we charge for our services. We're trying to give a voice in the courtroom to the hardworking men and women of Massachusetts. Please feel free to visit us at affordlaw.org and see if we can answer some of your questions there. While you're there, feel free to book a free virtual appointment with me. I'd be happy to answer any questions you might have about any criminal law or family law matters in Massachusetts. At Afford Law, we're making justice affordable. Thank you.